Hello and welcome to this amazingly 50th episode of the Mad Axman podcast. We've got the usual crowd here online this week. We've also got the usual set of topics. So we talk about what we painted. Andy's quiz makes an appearance. We do have a bit of a discussion discussion to talk about strippers, which many of us have been using quite extensively over the last few weeks. And also we do have an in memoriam section for our clubmate, Clive McLeod, who sadly passed away this week. For those of you who may have known Clive, his family have asked for donations to be made to the British Heart Foundation. So we'll place a link in the podcast to that website as well. Enjoy the 50th podcast. This means war. Well, this is it. It's number 50. Can anybody, anybody around this screen of um, the usual gang of seven, can anyone believe that this is now up to 50? Um, quite hey, remarkable. Hey. <laughs> After quite this year, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, actually. Yeah, I think uh, much more lockdown, we'd be doing these three times a week. It would be, it'd be like when EastEnders went to three times a week and then Coronation Street um, came back as well, wouldn't it, and did it all. And suddenly there was five days a week of soap opera. But... But then again, five days of painting to fill this podcast would probably send us all slightly batty. So um, without further ado, let's dive into the, the what are you up to at the moment? And, and Adam, you, you're actually on screen there um, using some, you're doing some basing as we speak. It looks a mm. bit like a ballista, but you're, you appear to be using kind of a teeny, teeny, tiny trowel of some sort on the end of a very long stick. So what have you been up to and what the hell are you up to now? Where did that come from? What I've been up to, and I'm really pleased because this basing, I've got this base and another ballista base to do. And once those basing's done, that's the Romans finished. They oh, finished yeah. the basing and then the army's done. And that's um, well worth a, 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 a cheer on my part because it's we'll like We've got uh, ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Andy, take yourself outside, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased, and um, with that, to actually have got a whole 28 men army done for 25 or whatever oh, they are. How, how many bases, roughly? How many bases have you got? Um, I did eight bases of legion. Wow. Four of auxilia, um, four of cav, six numidian, six of slingers, two ballista, a fortified camp, and the three generals, three general bases, which is six figures. So it's not huge. But it's, well, it's, it's about, you know, it, it sounds very good, although it does sound like it's missing the elephant. Mm. You need an elephant. Yeah. Uh, and you'll, you'll never use eight legion anyway. What about the cataphracts? Good, good. The knight is still young, isn't it, really? The knight is still young. They're coming next. Yeah. You've got them. Uh, Adam, with your baggage for the fortified camp, did you use anything in particular? I did. Why? Well, because I was thinking, what should I do? Because um, it's got to be fortified and it's got to look fortified and Romany. And I know the um, thing about camps is they've always got to be a little bit stylistic because it can't look like an actual camp. It's got to be something stylistic. And I thought, I'll get something that looks stylistically like a fortification. So at first I thought, should I do something with um, filler and toothpicks and stuff? And then I thought, well, can't be asked. Um, so then I looked around for um, commercial available and I got from Steve Barber. Um, Ooh, yes, yep. They do, um, they, you can buy a whole Roman camp, which would actually take up about three foot and they do all the ditches and the stuff. So I got just one piece because it was exactly the correct frontage 
120 mil. Um, so here it is, not quite finished, but um, this is it. Um, and in fact, if once I put um, a Roman with a shield peering over the top, um, so it was a tenor, and um, good thing about it is it'll, it'll do for any fortified camp, really. Um, the downside is it's sort of like it hasn't got corner bits going around and stuff. As I say, it's sort of like stylistic um, representation of a piece of fortification. So um, that, that was quite pleased by Old fashioned resin. Yeah. Are, you, are you saying that's a tenor because someone's listening to you? Because I'm, I'm on the Steve Barber website as we speak, and it looks like it's 17 quid um, for a really? straight section. Um, 28 Roman marching camp straight section, or, or was it just um, um, 17 pounds? Maybe it's oh, right. it's, it's 12, I, by, 12 I, by 12 by 6.5. Maybe yours isn't quite as deep as that one. That's an interesting one. Oh, no, it is deep. It's like the, this half here. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, the front half, the ditch, I'm going to have to say that doesn't really exist. No, obviously not. No. Or you can put it um, on the table. Did, maybe like it was 17, but I do remember thinking, oh, that's quite expensive, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I, 17 pounds sounds a lot more like um, that would be the oh it's quite expensive and I really don't care thing no, I, I was but, admiring the ditch out and was wondering have you got some stakes to put in it that, that, would, that would make it quite cool no no just it's because the stakes it's, Andy, stakes Andy you're, not, you're not using stakes as part of a prep for your chicken marengo joke again are you now, chicken marengo no. wasn't kosher because of the uh, shellfish. So, all right, no. okay, fine. All right. Although one thing I did like about when I did this was um, the um, the palisade bits metal and the rest is resin, and there's a groove in the resin to fit the pal but it was all loose and wobbly. So I just had some milliput and I sort of put milliput in and I put that in to stick them in. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm now old enough to and organised enough to have things like milliput lying about. You've got it kicking around, which is um, quite handy and stuff. Yeah, okay. which is quite handy. But the trowel, um, I remember getting this in the modelling shop because when I used to do basing with wood filler and stuff, I remember using knives and just like implements and lollipop and just, it's one of those things where get the right tool and it makes it so much easier. So I've had this for years. I've no idea how much it is. I think the, the tip's a bit bent and it might have snapped off. But it's like the, the, um, this bit is a bit whippy. Oh wow, it's a bit flexible. The end of it, yeah. yeah. A bit flexible, so it sort of like, it can smooth and you can sort of like level. So um, no idea how much it was, but it's as as I said about the scissors, um, it's it's just really worth investing in the correct tool sometimes because it just makes the job so much easier. Um, available at all good model. Oh, no, no idea why you got this. Probably an artist shop. Um, uh, can, I, um, I saw them at Great Art. They've got in, the um, Square probably. No, um, no haberdasheries, mate. Great, great art will have it because they, you use it for oil painting. You're doing the yes, oil. That, 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 mm. Yeah, yes, it's probably art. So yes, um, a recommended tool there. No, but it's funny because I, I actually um, got a set of, in fact, a set of similarish things, but smaller um, last week for off eBay. It's one of those. Let's have a look around eBay because I realised exactly the same as you. I've been using a, a Swiss Army knife to spread that kind of filler onto the bases. Yeah. Um, but it's just too big to fit between a lot of the figures. So yeah. it's really good for doing the bits that you can actually get to, but a lot of those bits you couldn't get to. And I was, I was using like bits of scalpels and, and as you say, it just didn't work. And then I just thought, is there like a tiny, tiny trowel or tiny thingy? And 
looking online, there is a whole um, set of these tools, obviously, um, not for doing basing, but they're called um, for doing clay sculpting. So, okay. you know, if, if you, I guess we all remember that um, great Lionel Richie video of Hello, um, where he was the blind guy stalking sculpting. the woman stalking the woman despite being blind yeah. and um and sculpting his own head or something whichever we may be misremembering oh, no, he... that yeah but it was like hello no, no won't even try it and um <laughs> uh, no, i almost started there i almost started there. Uh, yeah another career down the drain but um but that the art of clay sculpting you get this whole set of different tools now some of them are just kind of too pointy or whatever to ever be used but some of them might be used, but out of this set of six, there's at least two or three that you're like, yep, that's like a little mini spatula thing on a long pole. And because it's generic bits of metal off eBay, it was about a fiver. Um, so, so clay sculpting, clay sculpting tool kit or whatever is, is the answer. But I am I mean, a little bit upset to hear that the Swiss Army knife doesn't have the proper attachment for it, though. Well, it's it's only one of the kind of the normal standard ones. It's not one of the, you know, if it, I think the problem was if it would have the normal attachment for that small stuff, it would actually be too heavy for me to pick up and use with any degree of detail at all. So, so have, did you, have you actually finished some of the painting this week or has it just been solid basing? Well, no, it's, um, I painted the two ballistas and the um, camp work camp so um because the two ballistas it's only four crew figures and a couple of things so it's actually um surprisingly quick and i'm just finishing them off now so it's all quite groovy all i've got to do is wait for it to stop raining so i can put the last cut of varnish mm. on the numidians and these chaps okay and but you did wave a box of cataphracts at us as well earlier on well this is um that's um their dashions stations whatever um yeah and that's that's the beginning well they can also be used with this army but that's the beginning of the um their summation that's the beginning of the okay. thing and and i must say actually if the next week or two i don't paint hugely quickly but after finishing an army i think for the next week or two i might just sort of like chill a bit and i yeah. might do a little bit of preparation of fi figures but um yeah sometimes the painting if you sort of like trying to finish something sometimes a painting can stop being a hobby almost and start being a mm. yeah. So, yeah um i was thinking of sort of like i might prep some figures up um but not worry too much about getting stuff done for a couple of weeks and, and how many yeah. bags of the the dacian dacian infantry have you got then um from two you're starting that two okay i'm gonna do 120 um which is quite a little Wow. But it's, it's, a, it's a lot of warband, and that will give me all the options for bows and stuff. Okay. So, um, and, that, and, and, they, that, and the Victrix box bag comes with the bowmen and the um, and the skirmishers and the phalanx men or phalanxmen. Yeah, whatever. everything you need. Everything. You need. everything okay. If it's if it's walking in the Dacian army, it's everything you need, um, okay. which is kind of quite good. Um, and I'm going to use um, some German cav because um, you need some dashing cavalry so i'm going to um, use germans and um, from that i'm going to also buy a bag of 60 german warriors so that will give me a german army as well wow. what the nations have is there's sort of like impact troops the, the ones that you know they're going to go in they're going to stomp stuff two-handed cutting weapon elite ah they're mediums aren't they so you're going to yeah, do yeah, them separately as metal or you're just going to 
keep them all as no they, they come in the bag you just put you just give them the fouts you just give them the two-handed choppy um thing oh so is that, that the one with the funny the sort of like looks like a sort of basically the thrashing Japanese... weapon, but cooler yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's an implement for uh thrashing or something isn't it Hopefully thrashing Romans. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and okay. they're sort of like, that's, that's just a different arm attachment. And you can put them ones on the more noble looking bodies if you really want to. So it's, uh, so you get them, you get them and you also get the ally of summation, um, elite heavy cavalry impetuous to do nasty oh, is that things. Fun army to play? Um, it is, yeah. Because the other, I was looking at the army list again um, and I got them mainly because I, as an opponent to the early Imperial Romans. Um, what one really cute thing about them is um, if you lose the initiative, most people plan in a game of ADLG to attack. Um, Fair shout, yeah. Sometimes there's there's sort of like value in being the defender, but usually people plan around attacking. So if someone wins the initiative roll against me and they say, what terrain have you got? I get to say forest. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Which... As, as you laugh, for most people, and, exactly, exactly that. It's like so you can attack me in the forest, or you can defend. It's up to you, and I'm not too worried which way you go with that. No. So yeah, it should be fun. No, no, it's a classic. I, I was in a similar situation in a competition against uh, Colin Chalk, God rest his soul. Um, this was at Warfare, and I was using Hebrews, and he had Bedouin, and I won the initiative. I thought I'll attack them. Hang on, I'll just look at his terrain type. And the only terrain type he had was desert. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, oh, no. Don't oh, actually, me. I t I tell a lie. Actually, I don't get to say forest. I get to say forest or mountain. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which also works just as well. Okay, that's a good set then. So, um, so you're so you think you'd just be like high on glue for the next two weeks as you um as you put F exclude some of these Dacians, Dacians, whatever they are together. That's um, the probably, and even then, I might say I might not. I might just sort of like just um chill. And yep. watch Arsenal get beaten by Aston Villa again. Yeah, no, well, you know, it, it happens to all of us. There's um, there are some worse worse outcomes this weekend. Well, it happens to you because you're a Fulham yeah. fan. You're used to it, mate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, I will just now Paneka up um, an easy <laughs> an easy catch to the next person on the list, Mr. Leroy Mayer. What what have you been doing this week? What's been on your painting um, painting pile and painting schedule? So no surprise, more Renaissance figures. So I finally yep. come to the end of my pike and shot figures for the infantry. Wow. <laughs> oh, so, so but you're saying that in a way like you're going to tell us a story about many, many cavalry then? Well, because, yeah, then you sort of look at your old um, cavalry and go, hmm, maybe I can repaint them better. Mm. So um, with the infantry, I've now finished off two more later tercios and a just a straight musket unit. Because you always just need a unit of just lots of muskets yep. to run around. So um, I've now got pretty much every option possible from the Italian War all the way through to um, the end of ADLGR. So wow. he said, and then he finds a new website of miniatures to buy. Um, yep. So you've I've been doing, like, doing a lot of bio strip then this week with um, Old Cavalry. Has that been part of the plan? Yeah, so I am, um, with no competitions being on or use of a lot of the other models, I've gone back through some of my old... Um, my first armies for Fogar and looked at my mountains and they were pretty meh. So have you found this product called Biostrip 20, which does sound like an interesting uh, pun, but it's um, a non-toxic paint stripper. 
you can basically um, chuck your models into a, um, you know, a takeaway plastic container, or whatever, coat them with a bit of this bio, this stripper stuff, and leave them there for a couple of days. Every now and then, uh, give them a bit of a shake, and it strips all the, um, the paint off. So then you just need a, um, you just use like a nail brush scrubber, and just with a bit of hot water. Is that your own nail brush, or did you have to borrow that? Um, I do find to use my, my own one. Uh, that's that's a special yeah. one dedicated to this, because otherwise right. you get in trouble. Yes, that's, that's true. Actually, it's not. Yeah, no, and I think the bio strip thing has been um, has been causing a bit of a sensation around the groups. Now, I've I've actually bought some a while ago on your recommendation, but this was the first week that I actually tried it, and um, oh my god, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's just <laughs> although um, although I did nearly go by the mistake of dropping the figures into it to let them soak, which nearly ended up with me with this sort of half liter pot of of what ended up a bit was looking like it was going to turn out looking like um i don't know kind of ice cream vanilla ice cream with a caramel swirl yeah which um would have really probably ruined the whole thing so then you you quickly corrected me and said no you, you sort of paint the damn stuff on and then mm. then leave them separate and and give them a kind of bit of a mix but really really impressed it took off um some stuff off off some old tanks and i actually also i tried it on a on a 28 mil plastic malifaux figure really quite a a kind of a delicate one um probably cut yeah does yeah, it smell the bio stuff no not at all not, not not nice to me. i yeah. i used the wilco wilco brand equivalent okay yeah i found it because um I've, I've tried like using detol and obviously brake fluid and all that but living in a small flat you can't use it did you say obviously brake fluid obviously brake fluid. yeah okay yeah you got it out of his drinks cabinet Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, Australian still, wine. Yeah, it, it uh, it's on, the um, new version. <laughs> yeah, it, it guarantees to, to put you to the floor if you drink it straight up. Um, but no, this, this um, bio strip stuff doesn't doesn't smell. You can leave it in like um, I can have it in my kitchen uncovered and it doesn't smell particularly. You know, it's got a slight smell to it, but it doesn't stink to. Um, Just don't put it on the salad. Yeah, yeah. and. What you don't you don't have to wear gloves to clean it off like you can do it barehanded i mean i, I do it in hot yep. soapy water just when i'm giving it a scrub so, so does this mean you're now going to be hoovering up dodgily painted figures on uh, uh flea bay that uh, sort of like you know really expensive figures that people have butchered oh what you mean the ones called museum quality paint jobs <laughs> yeah professionally painted Pro yes, painted yep <clears throat> Isn't, yeah. it, isn't it normally just anything from Heinz figures on eBay? That you know those buy it now ones that which there's just buckets of. But then again, they're all wildly overpriced, so um, that that doesn't really work. Yeah. But, it, it Can I just ask two questions before we go on from the buyer strip? <laughs> Firstly, Tim, you said about you don't just drop it in; you've got to paint. What what's the technique again? Well, you know, I I originally dropped it into the tin, the whole bucket. You know, because I've got it's like um. Well, it's like a half liter tub. Um, mm -hmm. So I originally dropped the bio strip in. The, the, sorry, the couple of tanks and the couple of figures and things that I was doing in, and um, and then Simon went, no, no, that you don't want to do it because you can't reuse the stuff. So, okay. but it's quite um, gloopy. So you can take you know these take a handful of things and sort of paint it over them in a way in quite a thick gloopy thing. It sticks to them quite a bit. I think you do have to keep stirring them up, but if you it's white so if you drop stuff into the pot 
it's gonna the paint's gonna dissolve in the whole thing and it literally it did look a bit like kind of very cheap um vanilla ice cream really? with a bit of a caramel swirl so in what it. do you just transfer some into another pot then basically yeah, yeah. basically yeah right. i've got yeah, a couple of um like all war gamers you've got a couple of takeaway plastic containers from yeah. the obligatory curry and yeah i just took the bottles in there and just cover them you know not drowning it but just sort of yeah. like you know <laughs> next yeah, question yeah um the uh plastic figure did the plastic degrade or did the no not at all I, you know because it was quite a it's quite a delicate one um this is um dr andre sokolov who is a um substitute figure for um oh, what's his name um like the big 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 beta for the arcanists and was Joss. this the one you were waiting for for a year tim that arrived in the summer yes yeah, the one that took like nearly a year to arrive from america this one figure and um i did my first paint job on him and kind of screwed it up and it looked terrible so i thought actually this is um this is an opportunity to do it so so i took and it just took all the paint off without degrading the plastic at all so i've actually done him with some contrast paints now um just because that's a slightly better look it's not it's actually it's a fairly meh sort of figure which is a bit disappointing um but but yeah it just took him off so originally i dipped him in it and then left him sort of hanging upside down on the end of a jar so he wasn't um embedded in it it was sort of dipped and then then lifted out and the stuff just sort of it's quite gloopy and quite sticky so you know you probably have to to stir it up once over the couple of days and then and then it's kind of done um i was really really impressed with it but okay but yeah simon i saw you going back to it you'd done some was it some old museum cavalry that you'd redone yeah so i had a whole bunch of the museum uh, english civil war generic guys on horses with pistols and the buff coats and all that and my original paint job was pretty meh so this stripped it right back down you could get all the sharp detail back you can see the horse and you can see the the fold of the um on the horse where you've got like the uh, the blanket at the back you can see the pistol again so you can see all that detail so i've um there about three quarters painted up so it also did a really good job i stripped uh, a while ago a whole bunch of um merlinton figures you know those really yeah. nice uh, 15th century um swiss models with a lot of detail and they shook off my originally horrid paint job and I could actually mm. then dry brush it later on. So they've come up, you know, you can repair a um, Peter, I've painted my army in gold spray paint type of um, job quite effectively. Yeah. Well, why would you, you want, want to repair to? that? Well, what is the repair? Yeah. I meant to be. <laughs> oh, sorry, just final them? question. For, yeah. Final question on the strip of Tamsin. You said that you use the um, Wilco own brand is that exactly the same or was it cheaper for a reason as far uh, i'm not sure what price what price the either buyer strip is i but i'm guessing it as far as i can tell it's exactly the same same just okay. not it sounds pretty similar brand name yeah. yeah but i think the, the general point is there are commercial products which are better than trying to cobble it together with Dettol um then actually this was pr pretty straightforward so this means war this means war did you see simon that um steel fist have released some 15 mil figures as well um yeah. for, for renaissance Ooh. 
I, I right. saw that and went, no, really? I don't yeah. need more figures. Oh, shiny. Yeah. How much are yeah. they? Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to find it. it it's obviously it's um because I keep looking at their 28, 25 yeah. gendarmes and it's just like, oh, they're beautiful, but yeah, how? it's it's a kind of a Kickstarter thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to work out how how much it is. But I think the the thing is when I saw it, they sell them in um packs of or they're attempting to sell them in packs of twenty four shot or twenty four pike, um, and you're kind of going, that's a lot, isn't it? I suppose you well. You know, you'd end up, I guess, buying two of one and and one of the other to give yourself that sort of ratio. But it it means that you're buying seventy four of the ten things, um, which here we, here which we are, here. yeah, which are whatever you know. How depending on how you're based up for fifteen mil rule sets, that's normally what even in Fogar, that's twenty four. That's I suppose that's three units, but you're having to buy three pike and shot blocks at any one time because of the way it's all put together but obviously they're they're very very lovely have you got the the website up there simon yeah oh, there it is yeah yeah, no, yeah so, done, um, so apparently this this was um a kickstart in february which didn't even see that one they've mm. got some really nice lobster figures you know the oh, um, yeah. first of the the, the uh, oh house the, yeah. the knights who then became cavalry so you can see that like, the full plate three-quarter armor the pistol and all that plus then Top of ones for being like a Swedish or a, a more Frenchy French style of cavalry with a um, chest a cuirassier chest plate with a big sword going charge. Yeah, there's a nice variety of figures that that lot. They look nice and solid. Yeah. Any idea on pricing? Um, oh, I'm trying. I, I did see it somewhere in the week. Um, I wonder if it was on Facebook or something like that. There was a. There well, was if a you pay fifteen it. quid, you get one troop of horse. It says. Hmm. I don't know how many is in a pack. Was it seventh of November? Ah, here we go. Um, first ten packs from the Kickstarter. Twelve, basically a twelve pack of twelve. I think it is. Right, is this the thing? Um, ten oh, here we go. Coronet and musician right. and twelve. It's horses. a pack of twenty-four for eighteen ninety-five. So, so if you yeah. say that, so if you say you're fifty p for fifteen mil figures is is currently at the top end of. Um, of the price range um these are about um 60 or 70 more than 50 percent more than that these are probably 80p um a piece for 15 mil figures so uh, it's and then the um troop of crassiers is 15 quid for 12 oh no um 10 crassiers a coronet musician 12 horses so that's 24 15 quid quid for 12 um on the um on the cavalry which is which is actually I guess well, slightly yeah, better than 20. Quite, cavalry is more cost effective than the infantry then. Well, cost effective is, you know, they're steel fist. If they're, um, their 28 mil stuff is just staggering, isn't it? And, yeah. um, and they're obviously doing kind of, kind of well doing it. But, but yeah, it's, it, it makes me look at my drawers of, um, well, not look at my drawers. We're going all slightly weird there. But it, it makes me. <laughs> oh, it's pantomime. Don't want to get into more love egg scenarios. No, no, no love egg scenarios. Love. It's pantomime. It's behind you. Um, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Oh no, it's not. Um, but yeah, it, it makes me think. Do I want to buy any more of these things? But um, but yeah, still an interesting. Yeah, one. on their on their website, it's um, yeah, it's eighteen ninety five for twenty four pike. Yeah, six heavy, six medium. 12 with no armor, officer drummer. It's not yeah. too bad, it's more an empire of what 16 quid for 24? 
No, they're about 10, oh, no. 12, 12 quid at full price. 12, no, it's 12. And you, yeah. and you can always find someone to sell them for a tenner, but yeah, 12, so these are 50% more than that. Um, that's it, but you know, great figures. Looking at so, the photos, they like, are they 50% better? They look like they might be bigger than um, War and Empire. I mean, not the War and Empire do any med, um, Renaissance stuff yet, anyway. But it might be, uh, it'd be one of those things where maybe for Christmas, um, I'll be worthwhile picking up some of the, um, especially the three-quarter Caracia style of troops, because they're quite different to a lot of the other ones I've seen in the market. They're a bit more vibrant. So I suppose it's that bigger picture, isn't it, about how, as wargamers, we all end up going, oh, how expensive is it? How cheap is it? And then, and then you see something really nice that's a little bit better than other ones. You go, I want that, whatever the cost. I'll just find it and buy it. Well, um, it's also the, a case of... It, it's not that much more. And if you want to cheer yourself up, uh, yeah. if you're going to buy some still fist 25 mil Zondons, go and look at Games Workshop website yeah. and look how much they charge for one plastic or metal figure. And yeah. it's still a hell of a lot cheaper. So the market can probably bear the price, can't it? Yeah. If I, you look at those mounted cavalry, though, the, 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 the pistols look somewhat over, over large. I mean, if you look at the middle character, it, mm. the, the pistol looks like it would go from his hand to his elbow and even then a bit further so it looks yeah. more like a carbine than a pistol 17th century pistols were yeah. quite long yeah i know they were bigger but you know that just seemed this so, these are hard. so did you no, like, think... did you look like the uh, old testudo range yeah they were quite nice um but it's a pity that they are now done by a kurosan so, yeah they're yeah. done by kurosan i was just going to say yeah and I think some of their, their molds wore out for a while. They ended mm. up not quite as good for a bit, but, you know, and actually, yes, yeah, actually looking at Andy, that picture of the big carbine, it says that's a troop of um, harquebusiers with carbine brace of pistols. So maybe they actually are almost carbines, but, yeah. but yeah, it's that thing paying, well, yeah. Adam, as you say, paying proper money for, for some really, really nice figures. You know, we're not all trying to buy the, the cheapest thing possible. It is a question of value. And then value is like, actually comes down to do i want these yeah um, yeah when you look at it from a price point you think of okay it was like um 18 pounds for 20 or uh, 12 or 15 figures yeah. it's still a cheap hobby yeah it's, it's still a cheap hobby at the price of a curry and yeah. you for quite a few years the curry last I mean, if you like now we're just trying to convince each other that it's worth spending all this money on it. Well, no, uh, price, price is a factor, <laughs> not the factor. It's, it's, it's a big market, and I'll tell you what, it's a big yeah. market and it works, because if I was to do 25 mil Italian wars, I would buy one unit of the gendarmes from them, because they are so beautiful, probably not more than one. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, my um, 100 biblical levy that I got from Lancashire game, bag of 100 for about, I don't know, it was about... Fifty, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also very, very pleased with them, to be honest. So it's yeah. it's, it's a big market. But one thing yeah. Tim and I have done with the the 25 mil plastics, um, like for either ADLG or back in the day, played Fogar, you could use your plastics for your line infantry and all that, and then you spend the money more on the, like you said, the gendarmes and your real character ones. So you go for, go for, spend a bit of money on those ones. Where I'm sorry, but your levy. You can be plastic models and all that, so you sort of counterbalance and all that. Yeah. Okay. He goes to the Warlord Games, who have now got a sale on going, oh, look, 25 mil Landschneck models. Do I need more of those? <laughs> yeah. They're quite nice, the Landschneck ones. When I, when I did um, 25 mil um, pike, medieval pike for the um, 
London GT last year, I got mainly plastic warlord, but I got some metal ones and I put them in the front rank to tart up the unit a bit. So it had all the plastic ones behind them. Well, I think that and does you, make a difference, doesn't it? If you can, yeah. if you can bulk them out with some different sort of different yeah. types of ones. Incidentally, just a shout out. Um, there was a, apparently an advert for the London GT, which is on in uh, September next year. Yeah, no, they've, they've rearranged it. We were, we were chatting to them about it. Um, because I think at one point they were thinking about trying to run it in April. Um, but um, myself and some of the other BHGS guys talked to them about it and said, well, trying to run in April is really tricky. Um, I think, no, it's going to be early May. But, um, but the problem is with lockdown or even with restrictions and, and the rest of it about holding events, that's not going to, in theory, be lifted until the end of March because it was the six months from you know, some announcement back in October or September or something. Um, so if you run an event and try and aim for early May, you're actually only giving yourself a few weeks after the date at which restrictions and lockdown could um, could be lifted, which is a bit scary. So so the guy who's organising it has, um, has decided it's actually a much safer bet to kind of kick it back to September and, and secure a date there. So and I think that might be the case for quite a lot of, trade shows you know there's lifting of lockdown and allowing these things to go ahead which will probably be gradual and then there's the lead time you need to actually organize this stuff promote it get it out there get entries you know get traders signed up all that sort of thing so i think it already feels kind of difficult to to see much in the way of events taking place this side of the end of next summer yeah one positive side i guess for us if the competition circuit is delayed till mm. around June-ish, is ADLG4 might have been released and might have actually had time to look at the, ooh, new shiny. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, th I think there might be able to be smaller competitions. You know, the, Adam, like that thing, with, you know, it, it will come back and those things with six and, and a dozen. I think, I think there were some restrictions in Wales. Um, were if, yeah, if they've the, the map today, I think. Yeah, I think if England um, follows Wales, they were allowing indoor meetings of up to 15 or something like that between different people at some point. So so I think it could end up being, you know, depends on whether it comes and goes in waves, obviously, usual caveat supply, but, so, but there could be some So you're basically saying with the ADLG4, we're going to be having our next wave of buying figures and we're going to be doing more podcasts about uh, more painting while, uh, as Tim's saying, we're waiting for the big competitions then. Oh, possibly. Oh, yeah. These new lists. Yeah, I think there could be some new lists out, which could be quite um, quite handy for us. Um, yeah, we'll just throw test them on TTS. Then we know yeah. what to buy and what to paint. Well, no. you know, in, in theory, All if that's toys. Um, yeah, just buy the whole damn lot, really. So where were we? So Simon, did we finish talking about everything that you've been painting this week? Did we manage to get done. through that this time? <laughs> you done, or did we even start? I've, I've kind of lost track. No, no, all done. Bio twenty. We're talking about bio twenty. Bio twenty. Right. Yeah. So Andy, what talking of strippers? Then what about you? What have you been doing this week? Um, not a great deal in painting. In fact, um, but but I'm now painting up the um, some of the fifteen mil stuff I had left over, which I was undercoating last week. So that's uh, eight. Camel archers for Seleucids and 
Persians when I finally get around to buying them. And then hmm. some dismounted Norman armoured geezers for more uh, dismounted uh, night things. All right. So there's, a, there's obviously a finite limit about time that you can go on before painting Dark Age armoured infantry with kite shields. It's just some sort of contractual obligation that you have to do that on a at least a fortnightly basis. Uh, something like that. And it's, it's so far I haven't quite run out of ideas as to what, what styles to paint the things. <laughs> there's um, any, any different woodland animals going on to the shield designs this week? Um, no, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't even dream of trying to paint a badger onto a 15 mil shield. Be, <laughs> be yeah, bad. That, I, I've got um, a feeling that that quote might be the outtake that we recreate at the end in the um, in the aftermarket thing. Yeah, and, and to be fair, just just to be fair, on on the 25 mil stuff, I didn't paint the badgers on. I I copied and printed out pictures of a badger and stuck them on. Right. Okay. So, so you know, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't want you to think that I've got skills to actually paint uh, freehand paint something that looks like a badger. Um, well, you know, those would be very valuable skills. I'm sure um, if you advertise in certain magazines, there'd be a lot of people keen on um, someone with freehand badger painting skills. Um, um, possibly, possibly, but short, possibly at short notice. I don't know. I think, I think, I think, I think they'd be disappointed when 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 they when they engage me to try and deploy those skills. Um, yeah. But you know, then I've, I've certainly remembered I've got all these miniature ships that I ought to paint at some stage. And speaking to Simon, and we were you had a game of ADLGR and. Um, I hmm. thought maybe I, I haven't got any 15th or 16th century armies. Perhaps I need, perhaps I need to think of acquiring one and thinking okay. which army do I want to do. So in terms of buying 15 mil armies, it's not going to happen immediately. But the two immediate targets are early um, Achaemenid Persians when uh, museum have their sale in January, if that happens. And then possibly something of a 15th century, 16th century idea. And I'll be open to suggestions as to what might be a, fun army to buy and paint for that okay well maybe that's a maybe that's a topic then which 15th 16th century army would be the one to go for and maybe, maybe we can bring that up in another couple of weeks time um yeah, so we yeah. Did, you know doing the roman picking one was quite an interesting discussion last week so which 15th 16th century army could be something if anybody has, has actually remembered to write this down maybe we can yeah, well, remember it in the future. Well, mind you i say probably more 16th and 15th because 15th i've got the Comdartieri and i've got the ordnance french so those are i'm, I'm happy with them Okay. And is there anything, you know, any new tips or tricks or, or things this week, or has it been much of a much of a muchness with the um, similar sort of stuff that you painted up before? No, nothing, nothing special. I mean, the, the only thing I'm doing a bit differently for the flesh for my flower of guys is I painted them brown and then I've kind of sort of dry brushed uh, highlights of um, flesh. flesh over them. Flesh over them. That looks, that seems to go okay then. Okay, that's good with those particular figures. All right. Yeah. Um, let's have a look around. Dave, you're um, you're still busy painting away in um, in your spotlight there. What, what's been on your workbench this week? So, uh, AB miniature 15, 18 millimeter Württemberg infantry. Oh, Württemberg. So I've painted one regiment who is the von Schafferstein regiment. Is that a real thing, or have you just made that up after drinking too much beer? I've been doing loads of research. Uh, the Württemberg infantry is pretty uh, thin, thin information on it. So well, I found some German guy who's got a website. So I've got the von Schefferstein regiment painted. They've got yellow cuffs and collars. Okay. What colour coats have they got? The dark blue. Dark blue, 
uh, white trousers, dark blue jackets, uh, yellow cuffs for that regiment. So, so they look a bit like um, Prussian Silesian infantry yeah, then. They look like Bavarians. They've got the sort of like strange helmet. Oh, the Alpenhelm type thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they're, they're really nice figures. They're, I've done them with the marching figures. Yeah. So basically, I'm going to have three regiments, so there's only 12 figures. For yeah. Regiments. Uh, at the moment, I'm just sitting here painting pink cuffs and collars onto another regiment. <laughs> so I remember which one they, they are. I think they're the Crom Prince. No, 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 they're von Frankemont, his regiment. Yeah, you, you are just making this up, aren't you, really? All no, the time. I've actually heard of that one. It, it, it's actually um, Van Damme's division. <laughs> Dutch-Belgian, no? Yeah, no, some sort of... Uh, actually, um, Andy told me about this guy, Van Damme. I looked him up online. Turned out he's a real geezer. Yeah, he did a bunch of movies. Shot yeah. for desertion and various things, for looting. Drink, drinks a lot of Coors Lager, doesn't he? Is that the yeah. one? I did tell you the anecdote, I'm not going to repeat it, about when he was brought up before the Tsar and said, at least I didn't kill my father. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, so, it's, it's a fun historical thing. Um, so, yeah, two regiments that are, those are down. I've, and then I've been doing some uh, Eureka Samurai Warrior Monks. Oh, okay. For your extra bits then. So but no, got little, you, won't be able to, you won't be able to see those. But, really but no, no Franks this week then? Uh, the flags haven't arrived. For the no Franks. No Franks are all done, dusted and back in the cupboards. Crikey. The warrior monks have got little hoods on and uh, masks. So they're quite funky. Cowabunga. Proper Eureka, guys. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, Oh yeah, and a, and a limber, a Napoleonic French limber, which I sent you all pictures on the uh, WhatsApp group. So that, that's I'm really pretty pleased with that. Although it's so bloody huge, it doesn't fit on a 80 by 40 base. Details, yeah, it, details. Yeah, if it's not fitting on an 80 by 40, and it's really just a marker, that's quite um, quite yeah. substantial, isn't it? But if you actually wanted to paint up this AB gun limber, you'd need something like about. 160 by 40. How, how many horses have you got pulling it, Dave? If you wanted the six horses and the oh, yeah, and you don't need more than four. That's where you're going wrong. That's what I've done. I've done four. Four. Yeah. Need, want, need, want. Yeah. I now need a second limber so, to use with the other two horses. Then that's all the limbers I'll ever need. Yeah. yeah no, I'm really, really pleased. Well, all you have to do is sell a kidney. You can buy another AB one then. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, these these um, Burtonberg is just beautiful, absolutely, really chuffed to bits of them. I've managed to do the trousers in, I've sprayed them black and then painted white over them so they actually look like they've got shading on them. It's, mm. you know, they're such beautiful figures. Okay, so so, do you, so has it been um, Wurtenberg's beating the, the samurai in terms of your favouritism then? or um... No, they're, on, they're, they're all on the table together so I sort of switch between them sort of thing yeah. but it's mainly been the Württemberg as I have to admit yeah you've got a love of Württembergerism exactly. right. okay well talk hey, about love of burgers just... then um, Peter what about just, you this oh, sorry, Adam, just Adam, Adam, you're in, you're in. Yeah. question sorry sorry and it's going back to last week so I'm going off on another tangent I'm talking about the Romans because I've been looking at doing like Romans 
sort of like going into early Byzantines, Justinian and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the Cav, the Equites would start being armed with bow, which I always thought probably because of Barker was due to um, Hunnic influence. But Dave, you said last week, early Byzantine Cav looked basically the same as Sassanian cavalry. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to be very, so a lot of, so say somebody like, um, What's his name? This, uh, oh, damn, what's his name? Count Belisarius. Mm. Yep. Belisarius is shown, so you have, in a Byzantine arm that period, you'd have the bodyguard of the general, the Bucellari, mm-hmm. going to be better equipped. But a lot of those in, in um, his army, a lot of those were actually um, Persians that joined his side after the battles. So, yeah, a lot of them would be Huns, a lot of them would be what we're supposed to be called Thracians, they call Thracians sort of period, but a lot of them would have been Persians as well. So if, um, if I did the Justinian and the mass of the cavalry, I use the same as what I'll be doing for late Imperial patrician, yeah. Romans with bows, and then for the um, bodyguard and stuff, if I use something more um, exotic looking, would that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, did, what are you going to do in 15 millimetre? You're going to do 25 millimetre, aren't you? 25. Yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, they'd, they'd look heavily Roman. So you'd have like Roman armour, Roman helmets. I wouldn't go for the half armoured horses and all that. Noise. No, 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 yeah. Um, I just put them on. I mean, I mean, you might want to put the, you know, Bucalari, the bodyguard of the general on. The elite guys, you get, because you've got four bases of those, you put them on bodies, horses and things like that to make them look okay. off. Okay. If you, um, Sorry, Tim, Adam, if you, you're... Yeah, Adam, if you need any more um, Roman heads, I've got loads and loads of spare ones from the, um, the Gripping Beast infantry that I got ages ago. Um, they're okay. plastic infantry, so I didn't use all the Roman heads. There's was, there was loads more per pack. So, so if you need to kitbash any of your cavalry into being more um, Roman-y from whatever they're, they're actually bought as, just let me know and I'll, I'll send some heads to you in the post. Um, Thank you very probably, much. Be, probably be quite a thing. Um, so, um, so Peter, what about you going to you in, um, in London? What, what's, what's it been up to this week for you? So I've been painting a few Napoleonic horses, slowly uh, working my way through that. I've just been doing fits and starts. Um, ended up doing a bit of research and uh, I liked how you'd painted your uh, Arabs, um, the Black Guard in mm-hmm. black using the contrast paints. Painting so the black garden black was something I was particularly proud of as a, as a bit of a lateral thinking there. It was good. It well, worked. you know, it's, it's getting the colour right. Outside the box know, I'm, I'm always impressed about that, getting the colour yeah. right. You <laughs> know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, took uh, a lot of it's research. It's not nor- normally the uh, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was more about the shading and the contrast paint. So yeah. I've actually invested in some of those. And then uh, hopefully tomorrow or the next day, I'm going to order some um, uh, Brunswickers. Because um, my Austrian army can actually have them as uh, Frege Corps. And uh, Dave and I, when we played uh, Battle Empire, a what feels like uh, a long time ago now, um, it would have been nice to have some skirmishes to try and uh, beat up the French in uh, retrospect. And so I can have that as a unit and then possibly reuse them elsewhere if I ever do the British. But um, I just fancied it because I, I didn't fancy just painting straight black because they just looked a bit boring. But having seen those contrast paints, I think it'd go quite nicely on them. Yeah, that, that paint of, um, of just, just looking at my contrast paints here, which whatever it was called, it's obviously called Black Templar. 
um, yeah. is comes out really, really nicely. It's kind of, it's got a little tinge of almost green to it, but and it, if you do it over a white undercoat, you know, the, it just gives you that texture and shading straight away, which yeah. as you say, is so, so difficult doing it. So if you actually bought that and, and started, you managed to get that delivered and you've started using it. Uh, no, no, no. I've, I've ordered the paints. And okay. I'm just going to pick out the uh, troops as well. It's not too right. many. It's just a couple of line units and yeah. some uh, Jaegers. But um, I've ordered some more of the contrast paints because uh, I've got some fantasy figures as well. And um, I just fancy using it for some of those. Yeah. Um, using the contrast paints, uh, you know, nice proper green orcs and that sort of thing. Because, uh, uh, you know, You've just got to do these things every so often. Just give me a break from Napoleonic stuff. Yeah. Which, which, com which company did you order the paints from? Who's you know? Because it looks like nearly all of these companies are sort of still open now, doesn't it? After um, I guess a bit of a fear that they might. Sort uh, of go into I just lockdown. took it easy and just went on Games Workshop and just uh, oh, right, ordered okay. there. You could pick out the individuals because the on a couple of other companies you'd have to order a pack and stuff like that. But I've already got some of them, mm. um, so I was just supplementing what I've got. So there's that and ordering a couple of other bits and pieces which are on their way. Ah, okay. So direct from the Evil Empire itself then, from the Tower well, of Sauron you know, or whatever. If, if you yeah. want to do Black Templar, you've got to go to the Evil Empire. Yeah, you know, it stands to reason, really. So is this sort of an excuse for you saying that you've not actually painted anything at all this week? Or No, I was doing the Napoleonic horses. Slowly, oh, um, okay. Yeah, slowly getting through those. Um, yeah. It's just, um, I find horses... Uh, either I'm in the mood and sat in the garden, it's nice and warm, and I, I can do them all in a patch. Otherwise, mm. I kind of faff with them because you keep thinking, oh, what can I do to make it more lifelike? I, I blame it on the fact that both my sons learned to ride, and so uh, I spent many weekends going down, taking them to the stables and looking at all the different horses. So I feel bad if I'm not do, trying to give them some sort of justice and making them look like lifelike. Uh, so really, you've actually done too, much, life around them. you've done too much research then. That's the problem. Yes, too much research and too much being around some nice horses. Oh. Peter, there's a, a unit of um, Brunswick Light Infantry, I think they're called the OILS, O-E-L-S, who are armed with rifles. And that might be a, you might want to look them up, but they were, I think they had dark green uniforms. That might be a, an, an interesting unit to do for the Brunswick Army. Take yeah, they're, some the, rifles they're the and be there uh, looking at different colour wise. Yeah, they're the Jaegers. Um, um, so I was thinking of those because uh, I just fancy it to try and torture Dave's uh, skirmishers back when he turns up with all the French again who can skirmish, do everything, bit of a sort of Swiss army knife. So um, I just fancy giving it a try because uh, I'm enjoying all the different troop, troop type mixtures. Mm. Okay. All right. So um, and so you're, you've already done your painting, you've done your ordering, your, your next couple of weeks are all set then just with yet more Napoleonic stuff really. It's just a word of Yeah, just line up on Napoleonics um, and then um, spice it up a little bit with um, a couple of fantasy figures with uh, some of the more lurid contrast paints that come through. Yeah. Um, I've just got a couple of orcs that I fancy doing that um, I just couldn't find the right shade of green. You know, right. Sort of like um, suitably sort of like flamboyant without looking as though he's going to a Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, orcs at a Mardi Gras, I think that's... Um... That's that's the new Two Fat Lardies website um, rule set, isn't it, or something like that? This means war. This means war. Right, Tamsin, what what about you? What's been what's been hitting the um, 
the painting decks this week? Uh, not a lot. So... Oh, they look pretty. Oh. Uh, These um, uh, are more Lancashire games? Last time I painted the horses and I think I'd done the flesh on the riders. Uh, these were individual leader figures for my infamy infamy horses. So there's 15 millimeter figures, all from Donington. Went through all of last week, look at the figures thinking, painting each one individually. Mm, no, yeah. void. <laughs> Sorry? No, I think that's a bit of an asset, certainly on 15s as well. Yeah, and then Saturday I went, just sat down, and got them all painted, including mm. some extra, a little bit of extra highlighting on a couple of the horses. So I took a bit more, made a bit more effort on all of these figures because, and finally, so I had a base because for the, most of the barbarian forces, you can have a, a steward's base, which... Steward? Well, um, in case there's an stewards, inquiry. Stewards that count, I use it as a rallying point and also a resupply point for units which are armed with javelins, particularly cavalry. So I had two pack horses with javelins and a figure. I think that was actually from one of the, sort of the herdsmen figure from Donington. So, sorry, is that, do you think... This is a rule set where um, units of infantry have to go back and be resupplied with fresh javelins. Um, normally for cavalry, but of okay. infantry as well. In most cases, you have a limited number of javelins. My God, you know, because as a as a big battle wargamer, um, that level of detail fills me with horror, really, <laughs> from, yeah. as a concept. But um, yeah. but I guess, you know, that's the thing. With... That's, why, that's why you've got quartermasters for, for that kind of shit. Why do you, t- yeah. why you take command of the yeah. battle? You talk, I mean, infamy, infamy, you're talking to equivalent of a modern platoon. Sort of right. Half, well, half a century for the Romans, so it's a small so, war. So you're on about going for skirmishes <laughs> versus big battles? Yeah. Yeah, because that, that, there's been a bit of a discussion, isn't there, about this on um, on all sorts of different in, internet forums about whether big battle sets or or big battles or something like that are, are, are the current thing. And I think, Adam, I remember from a few, oh, possibly a couple of months ago even now, you were talking about how Saga didn't quite... You, you just thought skirmish games were a little bit overrated or something. But well, it's... Just, it's... Is that quite the word? Um it's just a time I, and a place for I mean, for me, it's like, I got into skirmish games, um, God, my boy's 11 now. Um, when he yeah. was going to be born, I was thinking, I'm going to run out of time to paint big armies, so I want to mm. carry on painting a bit of stuff where I can get stuff done. And that's when I started playing Malifaux. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And Malifaux, if someone was just interested in a game... I would yeah. recommend Malifaux as a game. It's just brilliant. All this stuff, conversation we have about army lists and do this, don't do that. Malifaux just does that better, actually. And it's it's, it's yeah. really interesting game. But it's not history. So if you're not into sort of like, if you're not into steam-powered robots, A, you weird, and B, it's not the game yeah. for you. But, um, and I've got Saga, and I really, really enjoy Saga. But, um, and... These sort of like big skirmish games have become very fashionable because it's like easy to do. But I just remember I got into war games because I remember at my local news agents, I saw the very first copy of miniature war games. And if you remember the early miniature war games, all the photographs were like full page colour photographs, which for 1984 was fantastic, um, of Peter Gilder's collection of Napoleonic and American Civil War figures on the whole. Mm. And it looked fantastic. Like, big wadges of units of cavalry of stuff and i don't know this, this skirmish game especially the 
mass skirmish game that's fashionable these days, it kind of misses out on that. It kind of misses out on that really impressive visual element to the mm. game. Um, and yeah, I, so I've, I've gone back to, yeah, I want to play big games. I want to play battles. I don't want to play. It's got, well, no, we, I still don't we, want to play. I still enjoy, I still do. We, and um, still enjoy playing Saga, for instance. But it's, yeah. I mean, for a proper war game is one where you've got lots of troops on a table and it's like, and they're all spread out and it, it just, it just looks better, I feel. We went through a phase of Saga at the um, Central London Club, didn't we? Um, I, went over to it from playing Flames of War, you know, having lots and lots of tanks on the table, to then suddenly playing a skirmish game. Um, yeah, it went down a treat for a while. We had a real phase of it, but we seem to have, you know, moved back to sort of ADLG in the Mac. There's a few people uh, doing skirmish games. Mind you, I would say, question what you said there, because I, I actually like Saga. I think it's a good game. I enjoy it. It's, it's not history, obviously. Well, we enjoy it. trying to be history, history, which is fine. But even the term skirmish versus big battle, Sanga, you've got about 50 figures on the table, True. Yeah, take, yeah, roughly. Typically, yeah, yeah. Um, skirmish is like, could be eight figures. And there's a difference between a skirmish game with a few skirmishers, which is also, can also be a very good, good game. And Malifaux is the one that I play where you do have eight figures on the table. And 50 is almost like pretending to be a bigger battle but just doing it with not so many troops, yeah. almost. Yeah, Saga, depending on which army you picked, um, I mean, I went from doing Flames of War, which is, you know, loads of tanks, everything else on, um, to doing Saga. For me, Saga is a more beer and pretzels. You've got to know what they're playing sort of thing, as opposed to anything else. And it's more like the... It's, it's more a skirmish mindset set of rules. If you get what I mean with the, the I think those, you know, the, you, I think we're on the point you want the words you made down is, is the, where you have um, some of the scenarios are a bit peculiar and work particularly well with some factions but not with others. Um, so I think they needed to be a bit more work in the basic system so it could work a bit more universally and then it would be a better game. Yeah, but I think that's that's about Saga as a game. But I think Peter, one of the the things that you were mentioning there is is about beer. I think you said beer and pretzels and and to my mind there's almost an element of any skirmish size game should be beer and pretzely really mm. because you're not using much and you're not bringing many figures to it so it should have a sort of pick up and play thing and I think going back to Tamsin what you were saying there about the idea of a in inverted commas skirmish type or smaller game that's got javelin resupply those two things feel to me like they're in tension for what what my concept of what that sort of game should be but it's it's a mechanic they, they, how many javelins it, it, yeah it's to some extent it's about limiting the number of javelins that yeah so cavalry would be i cavalry particularly would be would be carrying and able to throw and how many times but Cavalry will start off with three javelin, three javelins. I use that's three tur three turns. How many times are they going to use the javelins before Fine. They okay. go into they charge in? It's it's oh, there. Awesome. If they need to resupply, they can. But it's more. I've stewards of them more as 
as a rallying point. I like Romans okay. have something, have, have an equip, have something but similar. Also, can... on the more general point, skirmish games tend to be the opposite. They tend to be the more complex games, not the beer and pretzel games, because what you tend to get is like fewer figures and more rules for each figure. Um, so if we play ADLG or you play any big battle rule set, whether Napoleon, any sort of thing, there's never, I've never had a game with a big battle rule set where someone's gone, oh yeah, and this is a rule for that. And I've gone, oh really? That's, oh, I didn't realise that. You know, I, I know the hmm. rules. Yeah. Whereas more skirmishy games, and again, it's like mentioning Saga, I haven't got anything against it. I think it's a good game. I sort of went to a one-day competition in Toyman, and I played one chap, and his whole tactic, I think he was Irish, and he had a unit that they had a rule of however many casualties you do on them, you take the same amount of casualties or something like that. So it was one of those gotcha moments. And yeah. skirmish games tend to be more here's the rule set and here's lots of additional rules for lots of different things. Mm. Whereas big battle rules tend to be, well, here's the rule set. Well, I, I, um, I think, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here. I think, I think we can probably string this out to, um, to be more than just a diversion, but, but I think we probably defined there's a whole thing, skirmish versus big battle, but let, let's pick this one up. Let's, um, let's see if we can read some of these blog articles and maybe listen to some other people's podcasts yeah, and, and kind of come back on this. The original yeah. blog post that, that I'd mentioned, yeah. Sort of on to you guys was about at shows particularly. Yeah. Mm. You see, a uh, you see lots That's of small skirmish games being put on. Yeah. Either not so many of the very uh, big, well over a thousand figure games. Yeah, yeah. And same to saying, I sort of that that indicates that sort of big battle games are gone. Yeah. But it's different. Just shows. Most, most of the skirmish games that are put on are there. It's there for a reason. It's participation games. You can't do participation game as over a over a thousand. No, you just can't do it. It takes too over too long. It will so. take all day to get a bit. So it, a lot of games. Most, uh, most big battle games at shows tend to be more like static displays, simply because they just don't get round to making one or very many moves yeah. with it. Yeah. Either that or it's the game with my mates, so yeah. we, can, we can all guess <laughs> in it free, and we're not going to talk to anybody that comes yeah. along. Well, I think on that point, that sounds like a good idea to take this up next week. Then we can um, maybe have our own podcast and not not actually publish it. We'll just talk to yeah. each other about it and then um, recreate some of that sort of at show experience. But but going back to the painting thing, which is where we we started. So you've you've done what a, a number of um, you've gone a sort of semi-production line thing for your officers and unique figures to to give them a little bit more love and attention than the line infantry yeah i did it so for thinking okay right this color can i use it on just this figure or more than one figure and they were mostly painted as individually as possible mm. of oh, metals obviously could be done on all of them at the same time but it was when it came down to the clothing one of the one of the roman officers he had the white painted armor um, and but so if i could use the color on more than one figure i did but mostly it was into sort of each one separately and started work on the foot leaders all i've done on those so far is the flesh base coats and 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 a wash i'll be carrying on with those tomorrow okay so it's been kind of a well 
a decent week for numbers of figures, but they've all been quite tiny for you then. Um, there's no no extra terrain or something done this week. It's just been all I, figures. That's it. I, wow. So do you, do you think this army will be finished by next week or are you, are you in the final? Oh, yeah, I'll have dismounted lead, leader figures standby next week. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting maybe if we if we have a chat about big versus small games, if you're able to get a couple of practice games of um, of, of infamy in as well to, to have a look at that. Or, yeah. Maybe see if there's something doable um, in some sort of demo game. This means war. This means war. Um, just trying to look around who we've. Um, who we, oh, is it, is it just me? I'm the only person yeah. left now, aren't I? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my lord. Um, no. So it's been um, it's been a week of of finishing off um arabs as always um i've i've posted a load of photos of my arab cavalry that's that's taken a bit of prep to get done um just to get the photos online i'd I'd finished them a while ago and i've finished pretty much finished the the weird kit bash of persians and um peri um afghans and um i think there was something else as well i'm trying to remember what it was yeah i think it might be the two sets of um Perry Afghans, um, War Games Atlantic Afghans and War Games Atlantic Persians to make them up in some sort of mad eclectic Arab. So I think the Perry Afghan figures are absolutely, of course, fantastic. Um, they take this this paint really, really well. Um, that's been great. I've ended up using something that I'm not entirely sure if it works, but it's really just an odd collection of of spare figures really so it's using the um sparabara from um it must be sparabara from two different ranges actually maybe it maybe i got the victrix persians and the war games atlantic persians and then the perry afghans that was it um to do it to, and i've ended up using the sparabara shields to create some sort of half and half front rank big wicker shield back rank bowman kind of arab um gaznavid mixed shooter spearman infantry and um because they've all got arab blokes behind them they don't look too obviously like their their sparabara shields and i think the fact there's two different um types of shield in there that works quite well um as well although then again looking at it god maybe it's even a more a bigger kit bash than that i think possibly some of them might be the the um infantry from Fireforge's Mongols, who've got those big wicker shields as well. I think Adam, you've done some of those, haven't you? Yeah, they've got some big, yeah. big wickery shields from that. Um, so there's all sorts of odds and sods in there, and quite an eclectic group of figures that won't be out very often. Um, I did a bit of bio strip, as we, we talked about, which which impressed me no end. And um, I've finally finished a um, 28 mil elephant. So both my 28 mil elephants are now done. Um, a very painful checkerboard pattern to do on um, a gripping beast 28 mil resin figure that is now finally 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 done and um, and that's been getting a lot of love on um on twitter and on on facebook so not particularly well camouflaged not particularly well camouflaged no but i think if um elephants are kind of difficult to camouflage anyway unless you unless you um, paint their toenails red and hide them in cherry trees um which has always been the, the best way of doing that um so so this arab army now i'm just looking at about 50 or 60 spearmen type people to do um which 
it kind of feels like I've done all the interesting stuff. So, so I'm just into that tail end of the army to do it, but they're, they're sort of mostly done and hopefully they will get over the line quite quickly. And then I've got to decide what to, to do after that. And I do feel that I should go totally left field and do the, um, do that ship, um, for, for black sails or whatever it is, but I've got a horrible feeling that I'll end up redoing a 10 mil World War II army that I won't have <laughs> used in years and, and upgrading that somewhere along the line. So, so it's been a, a finishing off the contrast paints. And I think once the Arabs have done, the contrast paints will go away and um, I will end up browsing the internet and doing some more odds and sods of ordering of, of different things somewhere along the line. So, so that's been, been my week in painting. Um, all sorts of this is going to be on the internet. I think we've got a topic for, for a discussion next week as well. So that's it with the painting. Well, look, that's the painting session done. That was um, an epic discursive, discursive discussion, I think, um, covering strippers and all sorts of other things and um, lots of different manufacturers and even getting into a topic for, for future weeks as well. And um, with that extra long painting session, it does mean that um, in, in the running order, I think it's probably time to bring forward the famous French music and to have an early start in, in running order and possibly a late start in timing for... Andy's quiz. Oh, Tel Aviv, incroyable. Andy, hit us with, um, with some answers from last week. And but, um, well, last try to remind us what it was. Yep. Last week, it was all about the Romans and whether the guys who, who I'd mentioned, who were all real people, were um, consuls, emperors from the early empire, or, con or emperors from the late empire. So, in no particular order, there was Marcus Claudius Marcellus. Consul. Uh, consul. Yep, consul, correct. Otto. Early. Early. That's right. Yeah, it was one of the. It was in the year of the four emperors in '69. Um, Didius Julianus, consul, made up, made up one. Early. Yeah, it was Ken Dodd's ancestor. No, he was early. Um, okay. Julian, emperor, late. Yeah, correct. Publius Valerius Poplicola the third, early. Consul, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and Magnus Maximius. He's an he's an emperor. He's got to be late. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He was running yeah. around the edge of fifty pps or something like that. That's the motto. He's the okay. one by Harry Sidebottom. Well, look, I, I think um, I think that's that's last week's quiz questions. I'm I'm not sure. I, I think I understand less about it than I did before they started, but um, that's a good way to do. So, so I'm sure. Up and coming soon will be this week's quiz. Andy, you know, we've had a bit of Rome, we've had a bit of Gallic music. Hit us with this week's um, set of Andy's questions. Well, this week, um, as some of you know, and we're going to talk about in a minute, 
we suffered we suffered a loss at the club when our club secretary Clive McLeod passed away from a heart attack at the too early age of 64. And so in memory and tribute to him, his full name was Clive Duncan McLeod. And so I've got a question about somebody called Clive, somebody, a question about something called Duncan and one about somebody called McLeod. So here we go. Classy. Number one, Sir Robert Clive won a famous victory in the year 1757. And what was the name of that battle? Number two, the Royal Navy had a warship in World War II called HMS Duncan. And what kind of vessel was it? Was it a submarine, a corvette, or a destroyer? The Royal Navy still has a, um, a ship called, well, a, a vessel called HMS Duncan. Well, yes, but it wasn't the World yeah. War II one, was it? No, obviously not, no. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm not saying it didn't have a modern one. Yep. Modern one, a rubber ducky. Yeah, quite possibly, yep. Yeah, okay. And then number three, in which century... Was there a general called Sir Duncan MacLeod? 18th, 19th, or 20th? Okay. So those are this week's questions with a, with a nod to our late friend Clive. Yeah, so for those of you who um, will have been down to central London or have, have come across us at events or competitions, or in fact, probably many people in the, the, the wargaming um, pantheon around, I think, North London and also before that, Tunbridge Wells, um, will probably know the, um, or, should, or may well know, the, um, the somewhat, sometimes occasionally opinionated, um, but always very knowledgeable um, Clive, who, as Andy said, sadly passed away um, at a far too young age of, of 64, about a week or so ago. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly shocked everybody at the club. Um, there's been a huge amount outpouring on our club forum and um, a, a big eagerness on the part of everybody to, to contribute um, both to, I think, sort of British Heart Foundation as a, as a charity um, and, and also to participate I, I believe that you know even Clive's family were, were very aware how important wargaming was to him and the circle of friends that he had from from the club and wider wargaming circles and and even in these restricted restricted attendance COVID times um, it's great that there's going to be space and opportunity for some of us to to go um, and, and participate in the in the funeral um, even even as pallbearers as well um, just because it was such a big part of his life. So you know, I, I think without sort of further ado, um, just looking around, I, Clive was was famous for, um, as I said, his knowledge um, and <laughs> his opinions on certain governments, um, both, both of which were very always forthcoming. But he was also very famous for his um, sometimes legendarily poor um, and genuinely poor um, dice luck, which... Um, <laughs> which didn't so much blow hot and cold as quite often blew cold, cold, cold and, and somewhat tepid. Ice Age, basically, yeah. Yeah, Ice Age yeah. for a while. But um, yeah. I don't know, Andy, well, you, um, do you want to start us off with some, some Clive reminiscences? Yeah. Well, well, can I just say that um, we had the idea for the, fu for the funeral and the, and the family are happy with this, um, to have a floral tribute, which will be in the shape of a dice showing the number one on top of his coffin. Two dice. 
I think that's it. And that would be, uh, that, that seems very Clive. Um, and he, he, he had a good sense of humour. Uh, he was a Fulham fan, so I suppose he needed it. Um, and he, he knew absolutely everything about history. There, there was, you couldn't ask him, you couldn't talk about history without Clive knowing as much or more than you about it. And he was very knowledgeable on not just military, but all aspects of history and knew some wonderful anecdotes. I uh, can't remember any particularly offhand except for one um, which about a, a British gunboat sailed into some place, I think it might have been Zanzibar, in the 19th century with instructions to get the uh, local chief to sign a treaty. And the, tre and the chief says, and what if I don't sign it? And the captain of the ship says, well, in that case, I shall be forced to carry out the second part of my orders. So the chief signed it. What he didn't know was the second part of this guy's order, apparently, was if the chief doesn't sign it, just sail away. And I remember Clive telling me that tale, and it was a, a, quite a jolly one. In terms of wargaming, um, I say that Cl Clive and his luck were, were fairly legendary. And I mentioned it last week in terms of the context of the later Romans, that Clive and I were teamed up at a competition in Cardiff a few years ago. And in one particular game, Clive's luck was going horrible. So he picked up a die, ceremoniously threw it in a bin to sacrifice it. And after that, he never rolled a one in that game. <laughs> it was obviously that one particular dice, wasn't it? That, that sort of um, dogged him, dogged him through his life. Um, I think I, I remember um, Clive coming with us to, um, was it Salamanca? Um, the, was it the mm, I think he did Salamanca? go there, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, he, did. Um, you know, he, was, he wasn't in the best of health at the time. I think he, he managed to blag a wheelchair ride through the, um, the airport on the way back. <laughs> and, um, but, and, and I think, did he lose his first couple of games and then sort of submarine his way up with, with a number of, of straight wins? But it was, um, it was also the, the, the boldness with which, um, despite, I think, never having eaten um, funny foreign food at all um, in all of his previous existence. He actually gamely gave it a go and we were eating some quite, um, quite Spanish stuff um, over there. It wasn't quite, um, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't quite just um, ham sandwiches or the rest of it. And, um, and he certainly gave it a bit of a go, but then there, there always was a point at which it would stop. And, um, and, you know, unlike his dice rolling, there was a point after which he would never be moved. And um, there were certain things that we <laughs> drew a line under it with that one. Um, did anybody else around the, um, around the screen with a Clive story? I've got a story. Okay, far away, Dave. When I started playing Art de la Guerre, um, it was quite early on in Art de la Guerre, there was BrickCon. So BrickCon is a lot of us <laughs> go to, it knows it's a bit of a marathon. I think I played Clive about halfway through the competition and um, I was using a heavy knight medieval army. Uh, and Clive was using uh, a Mongol army, so he's got four heavy cavalry elite bowmen facing my four heavy knights, heavily armoured knights elite. And I just sit there and think, right, okay, this is, he's going to run away. I'm going to have to pursue him across the table and kick his ass on the back end of the table. So I sail up to his cavalry, and as this is early on, I've got no idea how to play the game. So Clive promptly threw four fives and sixes, and I threw four ones. So all four of my knights, which went straight down in one go to be damaged, which 
it's an achievement because the only way he could get them is to hit me on a four, five, or six, and me to roll ones. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat there going in stunned. Yeah. The second guy, I charged him away. He came back, shot me again, and the same thing happened. It wasn't four ones. I, I think there may be the two in there instead of just the four ones this time. <laughs> so I've got one life left. He, we then went straight into a combat, which he then killed. So in three dice rolls, he killed four heavily armoured knights at 14 points apart. And I said, again, with, a, with a huge gap in my army. So people saying that Clive had terrible luck. He <laughs> saved it up for you. That was it. You were the, you were the <laughs> recipient. Way as well, I have to say. Yeah. And he it was, was a good player. spoke about that all the time. And it was just one of the funniest he, things. He was always very generous as well with um, explaining things and having a chat about stuff. Both my uh, sons um, played against him in different tournaments and they both remember him fondly by, you know, one, uh, they managed to beat him, which, you know, (laughs) of course kids will remember that. But he explained and told them anecdotes about different bits of the army and everything else. And um, it's those things that um, they were quoting back to me afterwards that General so-and-so was doing this and um, this person was doing that. Clive had a, a not just a, an unending sort of series of different ones. You'd be sat there at the club with an army and you'd say, oh, I'm playing this one today. And he'd come out and start quoting some general or some habit or some odd different thing around either that, the battle, or the army that you're up against. Well, I think he, he was very much a, a mine of information um, on, on almost any topic. Absolutely. I, any topic. I remember last year, um, Peter, that at the London GT, uh, we were in the same team, um, and he came up against one of your boys. I can't. I might have been Nick, yeah. and Clive was using uh, some Crusader army, and Nick beat him. And Clive basically said, "You know, uh, Nick was really lucky to beat me." He says, "Mind you, perhaps I should have spent more than twenty minutes putting the army list together." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 That's always a good one. You know, Clive's legendary ability to roll ones was quite infamous. And I remember, um, Clive and I used to play quite a lot of Fog and Fog R against each other. And we had this one infamous game of Fog AM where we finally agreed, maybe for the both of us, we should give up playing this game and probably not play against each other using Fog AM. So it was, um, we were just showing how badly he could roll dice. So... Um, in you know, having a you know, couple of years of having a combat, I had a unit of bowmen. Nothing better than that. They were just bowmen. That's it. He had these elite, heavily uh, armoured um, foot knights. Hit the bowmen in the flank. Maximum possible um, factors for him. Anything but a one or a two, he re-rolls. He rolls four dice. I roll uh, three or two or three. He rolls four ones, re-rolls them, rolls four more ones again. <laughs> My bowmen proceed to um, roll and hit him twice, fragmenting him. Next turn, the bowmen turn around and route the unit. We both looked and went, hmm, maybe this is time to call it on this game. Just this idea <laughs> of these foot knights clone to a bowman unit in the flank. You think, here we go, sunshine. And then getting routed off the table in two rounds of melee, you think, yeah, Clive, maybe we should burn those dice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that shouldn't shouldn't really happen, should it? No. But um, he did take his ability to roll ones with a sense of humour, um, especially with ADLG, where, as we all know, if you can roll, if you kill a general or if you beat a unit where a general is attached or in, uh, in the front line, you can, you can kill the general. We got to the point where a few of us, um, even Clive sort of smiled at it, you invoke the god Clive to roll a one. <laughs> <laughs> all hail Clive, all hail the great god Clive, give me a one. And uh, so um, he was always quite, I think, chuffed in some ways that his legendary ability become a, almost like a central London battle. Meme, for, hadn't it? Yeah, it would become yeah, a meme. Both ones in his name because we believed in him that much. <laughs> yes, no, someone who, um, someone who rolled ones and, and stayed in good spirits about it, um, even though it was... It was um, more than it was um, statistically sensible. So, okay. So, yeah, well, God rest wherever you are, wherever you're rolling dice now, Clive. Um, we'll all raise a glass to you. Here we go. Cheers. So, so in terms of um, the rest of the week, we've got we actually already got a topic of conversation for next week, which is is quite remarkable for us. Um, and the other thing, so and really just to rush around and um, and ask what's on the painting table, what's in the purchasing queue, what's what we're looking forward to next week. And um, Dave, you look like you're you're hogging the screen at the moment for some reason. What's 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 first up for you? Is it more of the same, or are you breaking into something new next week? Um, well, I've got the Württemberg Light Infantry. Okay. So I've got a regiment of them, so that's two bases of marching. But I've also got I've got the figures for skirmishes as well. So the, I'm doing these AB figures slowly and carefully, and putting in all the bronze, painting the gun barrels, and you know, putting the the bronze on. That I'm really enjoying it, but I'm going to do this slowly and. S take my time over it, I think is the thing. Okay, so so very, very careful bit of um, Wurttembergering over exactly. the course of the next next few days then, all right. Um, Adam, you, you were saying that you think, um, you know, you think you might actually be taking almost a bit of a bit of a breather, a bit of a break, but have you um, heard anything over the course of this week that inspires you to say, actually sod it, I do need some more stuff, um, let's, <laughs> let's carry on. Well, I um, got an email from Victrix, who oh, were doing yes, a. Um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, who were doing a. Um, I think if you're on their mailing list, they're sending you an email saying, "Send this link to your friends, and they can get twenty percent off our stuff, and mm. then we'll let you have some discount as well." Um, so that's sort of like a chance to buy um, more toys, which is always good. 
But um, other than that, um, no, it's just like it's uh, trying to get this army finished. Um, the the hobby was becoming a little bit of a tyranny. Um, so just just to get it finished, I've been sat down and rushing through it. So it's, I'm going to take a week or two of chill out back burner. Okay. Yeah, that Victrix offer is is quite something, isn't it? It's um, you know, twenty percent off Victrix suddenly makes some of those packs very very affordable. And I think I'm going to try and give a go at some of their um, new twelve mil tanks because that just the idea of getting some nicely detailed, consistent twelve mil tanks to to replace the kind of somewhat ad hoc collection of um, different manufacturers that I cobbled together previously for my set is very tempting. And then then obviously I'm just going to buy a shed load of 28 mil um, ancients at the same time because, because I'll be on their website and, um, and I won't be able to resist. So I think it's going to work very well for them, that offer. I'm going to get some of their tanks, but they're surprisingly not cheap for plastic yes. tanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they work out, well, well, yes and no. They work out at, um, it's about 18 quid for six, which is, is three quid each. But, but I, I don't know if, I think that still is... They're, they're kind of comparable. Yeah, they're comparable, yeah. Um, and if they're better quality, I don't care whether they're plastic or metal. Yeah. But that, that, they need I think to be that's better. where I'm at. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, at I'm getting one pack, I'm getting some stugs. Because the Germans, me, uh, t- 10, 12 mil Germans, I've got to sort out. Because I've had some yeah. sort of like those museum, world museum th- painted ones. Yeah. Yep. I've had a bag of them for bloody years. So I need to get some infantry painted up as well so they can find yeah. the Russians. Are so you going to go with them. the... Um, or going to try the the infantry from Victrix because that does look like a good value. There's like um yeah, I'm buying a pack of because I need infantry to go with the tanks, and I'm getting a yeah. pack of stugs as well because you just okay. can't have too many stugs. You can't have too many stugs. Proper proper group of stugs then. So there's 12 mil infantry they do. Yeah, yeah. they do. Um, like about 180 in a pack. Oh yeah, I saw the pack. They got a pack of British and German late late war, haven't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and they look pretty. Very good, actually. They they almost look like they might not be too detailed for ten mil. How would they How would they rate with Pendragon in terms of size? We'll let you know when I get them. We'll let you know when we get them. Yeah, but Pendragon are a yeah. little bit big for ten mil. So yeah, but well, Pendragon are. I suspect most things will match Pendragon because that's almost the the default standard for that. Okay, um, and Andy, what about you? You know, you're. Um, I think we're we're possibly doing a a second hand ten mil tank trade um, outside a you know, the parking lot just in back streets of Shepherd Bush at some point over yeah. the next couple of I days. Yeah, I must get my dark glasses ready, yeah. yeah um, I'll, I'll, yeah. Work out, I'll work out the cost of those bases and we'll sort something out. Yeah. No, if, you want to keep yeah. those, if you want to keep those tigers, that's okay. Yeah, um, I'll probably do that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, apart from that, just carry on painting the uh, the camel guys and the, the Norman infantry, and that'll keep me going till next week, I should think, at, the, at, at best, because I'm helping liaise with between... Um, Clive's family and, and the club and Martin in relation to the funeral arrangements. Okay. That, right. that takes a bit of time. Yep. Simon, what, what about you? Are you, um, you finished your stripping? Have you got any other um, things coming down the line? There's always more stripping to be done, um, going back to the older toys. Um, but the focus for this week is to finish off the English Civil War caresses or guys and horses with pistols. Um, I'm also painting up, when we were at the Alicante, Alicante competition in February, so very pre, just before COVID arrived, yeah. um, they, one of the guys there who makes 3D, uh, you know, 3D printed models, he, um, he was selling off 
Arab tents for baggage. So okay. it'd be rude not to have purchased a few of those. So I um, finally got them on the table and I'm just trying to work out how to paint up the tents to be some type of Ottoman Turk type of tent. It'd be a bit more interesting rather than... Stripes. Yeah, I think you need stripes. Just don't know how to do the stripes properly. So when you're uh, saying tents, you're, you kind of are talking, you were talking almost like a village rather than, um, rather than actually the baggage piece then. Is that the sort of quantities we're talking about? No, luckily I, I wasn't too manic, so I only bought two of them. So I'm just going to do a okay. small or G size baggage. Yeah. Uh, don't need to go nuts on too many more big baggage, baggages that I've done recently. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, and Tamsin, what about you this week? Um, is it, I think you'd said that you're kind of within touching distance of finishing off this, this yeah, 15 mil um, infamy, infamy got project. The, got the foot leaders for the infamy project to paint. That should take me, should have those finished by the end of for the weekend. Uh, then I've got a few a uh, few more cobblestone figures to paint for my Judge Dread, Dread project. Uh, there's a news team and there's one that, that will be an assassin or or neo-sov agent agent. Okay. Does the news team have a, a female reporter? Because I, I I've got this theory that all wargaming news teams end up with a Kate AD. Um I think the I think there's a male and female reporter. Okay, that's yeah. It's well, two, well, no, it's female reporter, male cameraman, uh, two bodyguards, and there's a for some reason a robot that looks so it's in a robot uh, sort of waiter uniform. <laughs> yeah, because every news crew needs a robot waiter, really. Yeah. I imagine. Maybe it's, maybe it serves them drinks in the bar afterwards when they're in. Um, Wherever it is, the Hanoi Hilton or, or wherever these things are. Futuristic Ron Burgundy. Yes. <laughs> yes, a robot Ron Burgundy. That would be um that would be a, a series to conjure with. Okay. All right. And uh, and I say I think for um I'm just trying to think, Peter, have we um have we covered off you for the next week? Uh next week. You're just waiting um, for contrast paints to arrive and then you're gonna experiment. Yeah, I'm finishing off some uh, Napoleon horses and a few Bavarians and I'm certainly chipping away. I've got plenty to be going at, so um due to be taking some days off as well, so I might actually get some stuff done. Okay, excellent. Uh, so I think for me, it's it's just, there's probably a few things that um, I'm trying to admit to myself or not admit to myself that I've already ordered to see if they actually do arrive that can distract me from from 60 plus, finishing off 60 plus Arab spearmen and infantry. And um doing a bit more basing there's probably some more photography of, of those elephants to do get a few more proper pictures of those up um and then just trying to come to that decision about what is it that i'm going to paint next that whichever it'll be it'll be something that i know that i'm not going to use for a long time but i think i'm almost at the stage at which everything i could look at is sort of a very new project so you know do i do i do one of the new 15 mil armies that's a whole new army. Do I do the um, the Black Seas thing that's been, I think I am, I got for myself as a Christmas present last year. So, so the timing on that's probably creeping up quite, quite embarrassingly. Um, there's of course there's, the 10 mil British Napoleonics. There's the 10 mil British Napoleonics that I've, I've still not ordered yet. Amazingly, but, but I'm trying to work out ways to order. I've noticed that um, I think it's Pendragon do some, some German, tank riders um and it'd be mod madness to order a you know a set of 
just one set from Pendragon, wouldn't it? It'd just be a waste of the postage. So, so possibly if I buy an entire British Napoleonic army, um, that would give that me would the justify it. That would justify it. Would just be make make. In fact, you would be saving off. money on the postage. I'd be saving well, money on the postage. Actually, for that. actually you'd Tim, be doing the world a favour, saving the environment. Tim, I let me know if you're going to be putting in an order for Pendragon because I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy the two um, Tiger tanks from them. Okay, well I'm I, I, I'm definitely going to resist it for at least another week. Um, okay, I well because, I can wait because I think I've got to admit that I've I've bought some other stuff that's probably on its way that I shouldn't really have done. Um, the, the joys of being um, stuck in front of a screen all day. So so there's there's quite a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline next week. So we'll see what progress we've all made on painting on that. And um, next week we'll attempt to sort of vaguely vaguely more coherent um, in depth discussion about the difference between big games and small games. So um, yeah. on that note, we will, um, we will all depart and we will see you all or hear you all, or you'll hear us all again in a week's time. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 to mark the fact that this is the 50th um, podcast thing I think it's if we were we should have planned it earlier so you're just an unrelenting stream of sexist knob gags you're just doing Jeremy Clarkson knob gags for everything you do, so it's just and it and it does get a bit embarrassed. Like someone in Toyman, they were sort of talking about how yeah. after the next lockdown they're going to have a game, a sort of multiplayer game of Megacock or something. It's just like yeah. it's a bit embarrassing. even dream of trying to paint a badger onto a 15mm shield.